to talk. They should have trade. They need to trade him to Latvia right now for uh, one of the Ball brothers. <laughs> for, for one of them, we'll take the futures on uh, Lamelo. Yeah, there you we go. don't want Leangelo. He's trash. We'll take the futures on Lamelo. Cooking with jet fuel. Oh my gosh, that's electrifying. You're gonna get a lot of live action. Oh yeah. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into The Shore Thing. Another episode, Warren and Ryan here on Sunday night. Good show planned for you. We're going to talk about, obviously, the Cowboys and Des Bryant. That'll probably be around 7.30. Um, and then we are going to talk a little bit Rangers, NBA playoffs. We have a special guest on the show, too. So, excuse me, should be a good show planned. Um, Ryan, how was your week? Good, man. Real good. Uh you know, just ready to get after it. Had a little baseball tournament this weekend. Lost in the semifinals. Was it to Vernon Wells? It was not. We were gonna we were gonna play Vernon Wells if we won. Oh. And so, uh, obviously, we're in the semifinals, and they're getting ready for the final game. And they were coming into our dugout. And as I was leaving, I gave him a "Hey, good luck, Vern." Kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of, you know, trying like a a, a big shot move. But yeah. it, it, he's thanks, man. Like, yeah, he, who am I? He doesn't know. You know, but uh, no, it was cool. But uh, you know, we gave it a good run. But other than that, man, it's been rock and rolling. Had a good time. A uh, Friday night, a little rough and rowdy. Yeah, rough and rowdy. That's our thing. Every Friday. Now we got to wait two months. Next one's got to be what June. Yeah, I think so. Are they going to call it the Father's Day Massacre? Maybe around Ooh, that. Maybe. Who knows? We'll have to figure that out. But always some funny stuff on the old rough and rowdy. We're not going to talk Augusta. The green grass is finally worn off my shoes. The bottom of the the bottom of my shoes, which is kind of disappointing. But I guess I can look down to my left uh, chest, my left pec area, and it's the logo of my Easy. new uh, quarter zip I got, which uh, can reminisce of the memories. I won't, we won't talk about it. You can go listen on SoundCloud. We did a special Masters recap of talked about the tournament, uh, Patrick Reed winning, and then what it was like being on the grounds last week. Yeah, it was uh, just kind of Warren showboating. I felt about bad. <laughs> I, will say, I felt bad. I, every time I looked at Ryan, I'm talking about the math. You know, we go into her. He's like, "How was?" It? I'm like, "Don't worry. Well, I'll save it for the. I'll save it for the thing." I felt bad every time I looked over. He just kind of like slumped down, and I was like, "Sorry, I can't do anything about it." Uh, I was telling one of the guys I caddied for. He asked if I did a special show or whatever about it, and I was like, "Yeah." And the guy who I do the show with looked kind of jealous the whole time. He's like, "Sorry about it, bro. Nothing you can do about. It. Nothing you can yeah, do about no, it." No. For sure. The more I thought about it, I don't know if I was more jealous about you being at Augusta or more jealous about you going to Bojangles because like, oh, I, yeah. I heard that place is lit. So. It's good. It's really good. There was one in uh, Mississippi State when I was there. And the funny thing about Bojangles, I looked, they opened at 6. We get there at 6.15 on the drive through It's somewhere just past Columbia, uh, South Carolina. And they're like, sir, we, ain't, we aren't open yet. We open at 6 o'clock. And we're like, it's 6.15. They're like, oh. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was like, they better be open or we just wasted five minutes off the road and we could have been waiting for the chicken biscuits at Augusta. But uh, no, it was good. Cajun biscuit is the way to go. The very, the biscuit was hot and it definitely got broken up in the car. So it, it was a, it was a little bit of a messy eat. But all right, we're going to get into it right now with the Rangers. Uh, NBA playoffs will happen uh, in the last segment of the show. The Rangers 
Uh, just first pitch about to begin for them. Big sexy on the hill. Big pitching matchup. Big sexy versus Justin Verlander. Uh, they're a big underdog. They're like a three to one underdog uh, with the friends in the desert. And they won yesterday. Finally, a come from behind win for the Rangers. They were down five nothing, and they came back to win six five. Ronald Guzman, one of the new rookies they called up with all the injuries they had, uh, had a nice game. Hit a home run yesterday after he got his first hit Friday night, and then had the go ahead hit in the tenth inning yesterday. So that was nice to see. But the Rangers on the season, it's looking like it's going to be a long summer out at the ballpark. They're five and eleven right now. And the problem with the Rangers, too, minus yesterday, they have been down uh, at least four runs. I think it was so they've played uh, 16 games so far mm-hmm. in like nine games of the yeah. season. They had just been getting drilled and had no chance to come back. They weren't mounting any comebacks. So yesterday they mounted their first comeback, but it's going to be a long uh, season. Ryan and I talked in our preview Ryan thought the offense was going to be an issue, go along with the pitching. I thought the pitching was going to be the main reason they were struggling and the offense will come. It is only a couple weeks in the season, and a lot of teams, if you look around the league, a lot of teams are struggling hitting-wise, whether it be cold weather. That's mainly the reason, but the or the Rangers haven't really played in cold weather, but that offense has really not picked up the slack for the pitching, and the pitching has been about how we've expected it. Yeah, it really has been uh... – you know, a tough go for it so far as far as the Rangers' season goes offensively. They haven't scored more than six runs in a single game all year, uh, and that was against the Athletics. They won 6-3, to three. and other than that, it's just kind of been a drudging. I mean, you lose one of the Angels 11-1, to 8-3 to three back-to-back, and then 7-2. to two. I mean, so not only is the pitching just not living up, well, I, mean, I guess just not doing its job, but the offense isn't kind of, like you said, erasing that or or able to counteract the, the rough pitching. So, it is going to be a long summer, and the Rangers aren't really in a position to make a move one way or the other to kind of better position themselves. Well, so, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say their best player or their their best option for a trade is Cole Hamels, and he's pitching awful right now, right. albeit three starts in the season. So that doesn't really help them out. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, they're not they're they're not in any position to be able to make a move one way or the other. And they've you know unless you're going to give up a guy like Gallo or nobody wants Profar right now. And is that really going to help you in a way that is going to be significant enough for you to be able to make a late September push or something like that? I think the Rangers fans and the Rangers are going to have to ride this one out and kind of hope for the best at this point. I mean, like you said, it is early, but just the way it's going so far, it's. I'm not saying they're going to be able. To, I'm not saying they're going to make a run to contend. I'm just saying that they're gonna uh, that it's just gonna be a long of 500 balls gonna be an issue for sure. But speaking of Profar, Elvis Andrews fractures his elbow, doesn't need surgery. He's out for like the next two months. The earliest he can play is the end of May. So this gives Jerkson Profar a chance to uh, prove himself and see if he's a top prospect. Yeah, exactly. And like you said. Uh Profar, he's been playing all right so far. Um, they kind of knew what to, I guess, what to expect or what not to expect right now uh, with, with Profar. Hopefully, Gallo can get things going. Um, you know, he, he's swinging the bat. He, he's always going to have pop in his bat. Right now, he's already got five bombs. Uh, but I mean, Ronald Guzman, like you said, if if he can kind of keep it up, you know, three for eight so far with two big hits uh, last night. That that's that's looking good. Mazar is hitting 302. Andrews is sitting at 327 so far in the season. So if those guys can kind of keep it going, who knows? The guys behind them maybe can get something, uh, get something rolling. But other than that, there aren't been, they have, there haven't been too many bright spots in this uh, lineup, top to bottom. No, but at least with Guzman, you can see a young guy. Yeah, but he's not even that young. He's been in the system since 2011. 
So for 11 years, he's like 25 years old. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's young, youngish in baseball, but in baseball, you're, you're getting guys like Trout and Harper coming up at 20 and like uh, Baez and Lindor, all these guys coming up really, really young. And he's kind of took a little growth to, uh, took, took him some time to get uh, to develop, but at least he's uh, playing and they can check out some of the rookies because we've talked about their farm system is pretty, pretty weak. So that'd be it for the Rangers there. There was history, though, in Major League Baseball uh, this week. Wasn't really great history. John Carlos Stanton, two strikeout games, 0 for 5, the old platinum sombrero. Hasn't happened since the – never happened in the live ball era. The 1920. And when you're bringing a live ball air into things, not good. And look, I'm not saying John Carlos is going to have a terrible year for the Yankees. And as I said, it's cold. No one's been hitting really, but not a great start. And he's still he got, working to do his pinstripes. He's oh, yeah, he's uh, he hasn't earned them yet. Dead Everyone head. thought they earned he earned them after game one when he had two bombs out to right center field, but then he throws up double platinum sombreros on April eighth. It's a uh, tap the brakes, folks. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I'm not either. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's yeah. No, like you said, when you bring in the live ball era of something that's never happened, hate to see it. You definitely hate to see it. Uh, you know, the the Yankees are off to a slower start than everyone expected as well. They're sitting right around 500. Uh, the Red Sox have kind of uh, run away with the division lead thus far. Like you said, we are only 16 games in, but uh, you know we. The Yankees also just had five guys with multi-home run games in the first two weeks of April, so I think their offense is going to be all right. Yeah, no, like I just said. Yeah. It's just, anytime you bring up the live ball <laughs> era and the platinum sombrero, I think it needs to make its way to the show. All right, moving over to the, one of the other teams in Dallas, the Mavericks. We'll talk about them in the NBA, but Ken Hitchcock, this was kind of a shocker. Yeah. On a Friday, he said he is stepping down or he's, uh, he's moving into a front office role with the organization. Hitch, after one year with the team, didn't make the playoffs, and it sounded like last year when Hitch was an uh, introductory press conference, you go back and listen to the tape. I went and listened to some of it. He was in for the long haul, a couple of years, three or four years, excited. He always makes the playoffs in year one, and that just didn't happen. Now they were playing fine, and then they had that uh, seven-game road trip or a six-game road trip over like 13 days where they were just awful, mm-hmm. and they got two points, and that kind of put the nail in the coffin on the season, but uh, surprising to say the least, I think that Hitch is no longer the coach of the Stars after one year, and maybe he didn't get along great with Jim Neal, the GM, something. I always thought this was kind of an odd move bringing him back, but it was worth a shot, I guess, after Lindy Ruff wasn't working out, but now they're going to be looking for, they're going to have their third coach in three years, and for a team that two years ago, two seasons ago, um, was the number one seed in the West and made the uh, semifinals in the playoffs, Hadn't made the playoffs in two years, so three years ago, pardon me. Uh, not great. Well, yeah, and especially the way they got off to the season, a uh, start to the season this year. You know, starting around January, they were looking like they were going to run away with it, uh, with you know the number one seed. And the, well, maybe not the number one, but they're they're going to be a top contender in the West, and then yeah. just took a nosedive. So sure. it'll be interesting to see who they can bring in to coach these guys up because it's been a couple years going now that they had high expectations. They kind of built those expectations themselves based on the way they were playing, and then again, just kind of. Took a dump and just nosedived right out of the uh, right out of the standings, right out of the playoffs as far as it went this season. Yeah, not great. And they made some good signings. Radulov, John Kleinberg, uh was like one of the top defensive uh, point getters in the NHL. He's a Norris Trophy, I think, it is candidate. So 
not really great for uh, the Stars, but uh, well, they'll have to regroup and regather next week. All right, when we come back here on the short thing, I'll talk Radio 1190. We'll have a special guest, and uh, it should be a good time. So more of that here on the short thing on Talk Radio 1190. We are back here with The Shore Thing with Warren Shore and me, Ryan Silva. Our next guest, uh, she has a new podcast out on iTunes. You can check it out called Shooting It with Soph. Uh, she got her start doing some sideline reporting and in arena work with the Florida Panthers, and then she jumped over to Barstool Sports, uh, sh- which is one of mine and Warren's favorite websites and content creators. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's welcome in uh, Sophie Julia. Sophie, how you doing? Hey, guys. You really know your stuff. Hey, we're kind of professionals around here. What can I say? Or you just listen to my podcast. Mm, or we're both. Yeah, it would be bad look, though, if we had a talk show and we didn't know ourselves. So I guess we have to act like we know it, even, even if we don't know it. Hey, I feel you on that. I have to do the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, speaking of that, tell us a bit about your podcast. Uh, just started up, um, you know, kind of what, what, what it's about. What uh, made you want to start one up? So everyone was always telling me to do a podcast. And I know that media is just changing in the best way. Um, to be out there right now is just to be creating your own content. And I've always been a bit of a, like a control freak. Like I always wanted to be in control of all the creative and the posts and the pre-production. So I bought the podcasting mic and the software so long ago and just didn't want to start because I didn't want it to not be perfect. I was not okay with putting out an okay first episode. So I waited and waited and finally, everyone was pushing me to do it, so I started, and it wasn't that bad. Um, the first episode was really fun, and they told me, they were like, don't have someone too famous on, because I was thinking, okay, I need a big splash. My first episode, I want people to listen. I need a big name. And then they were like, well, you know, don't have too big of a name where if the audio messes up or the, or the podcast doesn't go so smooth, um, you wasted on a name. So I asked my friend who works for Barstool, Feidelberg, and he, I even told him that, and he thought it was funny. But, but the first episode went really well, and the feedback was, like, outrageously nice, which I'm not used to because I'm used to people uh, saying very not nice things to me online. So I'm going to continue doing it. It's really fun. Yeah, no, dude. So far, it's dope. Uh, I've listened to both episodes yeah. so far with with fights and uh, and the other one, Christian Kirk. And yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, like I said, you you could have fooled me if uh, you would have told me that was the first time you've you've done a podcast or anything. Um, kind of switching gears, oh. tell us how you uh, uh, got into you know your your job with the Florida Panthers and uh, what type of stuff you did with them and how what, what kind of experience that was like. Well, I studied sports broadcasting, so I was fortunate enough to go to school in a city school. Oh, big so J. I went to college. Yeah, I went to college in Miami, and I worked for, them, for the Miami Heat for two and a half seasons. So I was around all the Fox Sports Florida people, and Fox Sports Florida also broadcast the Panthers and all of that. So they gave me a call because I already knew all of them, and they gave me that opportunity. And I was the reporter, and then they brought me on as an arena host, which I really didn't want to do because I was so terrified of doing arena hosting in front of the crowd. And, you know, if you mess up, everyone's there watching and laughing. So 
I was so terrified to do that. I'm glad I did it. I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so then I moved on to do – I did some freelance with the Flyers. I did the Heat. I did um, all the sports at Fox Sports Florida. was a reporter for the Panthers. When, to, when I was at the Panthers, I met uh, Dave, who's the head of Barstool, and then I did a show with Barstool, and I did a tailgate show with another network, um, and it was really, really fun. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it. Uh, speaking of your show with Barstool, it, wanted, it was kind of like a Cribs-like uh, show where you went into athletes' houses and you know checked it out. Um, one of the one of your biggest gets, I think, was Tyler Sagan, who's a big star here in Dallas, obviously for the Dallas Stars. Um, so, how was your time at, at Barstool? Like, what was your favorite um, part about working with them? And, and I don't know, did you ever make it to the New York office? Yeah. So, by the way, the only time I've ever been in Dallas was to film with Tyler, and I love Dallas. I yeah. thought, but it was like. 110 degrees when I was there. We filmed in July, and Tyler had a party, a pool party after we filmed, and I sat inside the entire time because I was too hot. <laughs> oh yeah, the humidity will get you. It's no. I mean, I guess you've been in Miami. Humidity, it's just the heat. It just hits yeah, you when you walk outside. Hot. You're just like instantly sweating. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was like 110 degrees. I'd never felt anything like it. Everyone said I was being dramatic, but you know, um, usually am. So. Um, yeah, Barstool was awesome. Um, I'm still really close with a lot of the guys. I was friends with everyone. I think they're the absolute best in terms of media, and what they put out is always great content. And um, I was living in New York the last two years before I moved out here to L.A., so I was in the office a bunch of times, and I went out with them every single weekend. Like They were my best guy friends in New York. Mm-hmm. So being a part of that was, was really fun. And it's funny because once you're a part of Barstool – it sort of never leaves you. Like the fact that, you know, you're asking me about Barstool, people still come up to me and they're like, oh, I loved your show. When's it coming back? And it's funny because stoolies never forget. That's for sure, yeah. Yeah, I got something just on the bar, the Barstool in general. Like everyone, Deadspin or whatever, they've been going at them. Everyone criticizes them, I guess. They're their own type of thing. No one else has a website kind of like them, I guess. There are some kind of like them, but nothing's really like it. Why? Is it that you think people just try and knock them down for, say, they say, oh, a controversial thing here or there that really isn't that controversial just because they think Dave, his character, maybe he really is like that in real, in real life, but his character he portrays is kind of just like uh, arrogant and whatever and all that type of stuff. <laughs> is it that or what, what do you think it is? I mean, clearly Dave's stick has been working for him because look what it got i i totally agree on that like he's he's playing uh check or chess and everyone else is rolling out the checkerboard yeah so i think the thing with barstool is what they say and tweet and and talk about in their podcasts and their shows whatever is what everybody's thinking so that's why you know young sports fans and even older sports fans relate to Barstool so well, and it's what all the media members want to say but would get in trouble if they did. And at Barstool, you don't get in trouble. And that's actually, I strayed away from traditional sideline reporting because it was boring. Like, you, your producer tells you to ask the same questions, and the athletes hate doing the traditional media, and they answer the same way. And you get the same sound bites over and over and over because they're trained to just give you these generic answers. And it's not even entertaining. It's not entertainment. It's just, I don't know, like tradition. It's just what people have always done. But um, I, I don't think it's that cool. And it's not that fun. And Barstool just, you know, always crosses the line. But they don't do anything wrong. The Internet 
And people today are just so freaking sensitive. They just are. Everything offends everybody. And if you're trying to do things and not offend anybody, then you're not going to do something well, I think, or do anything that stands out because everybody gets offended by something. And with the so with the sideline thing, yeah, it's it, the sideline reporters get criticized a lot. They're like, oh, anyone could do it. They'll just throw a face out there on the thing. Like you said, the producers want you to ask the same questions that the coaches don't want, the players don't want. And then you got some ESPN for football has done some of their sideline guys where they'll get like guys out there who like analyze the game from the sideline, and then they don't really have to ask the questions. So it's like they're only using the women to ask the questions and do your basic injury updates and anything like that. So they don't really – the sideline reporters could be pretty talented and they've got something, but they aren't able to show it because they just want, oh, this is your role, and this is how the role's been for the last 10 years or however long it's been, and we're just going to keep it that way and let the other guys uh, do something like that. So it's kind of getting like, if you're doing sidelines, you're getting the short end of the straw. You're not able to let your uh, wings fly and show how much talent you got. I know. I think um, I think the media world is, is rapidly changing, and I think that sideline reporting was always, an, like when I graduated college, I was like, oh, I want to be like Aaron Andrews, and every girl does. And most of my close girlfriends are in the exact same industry as me and we've met through work stuff and you know everyone wants or wanted to be a sideline reporter but now things are changing like you got to have your own brand you got to be doing your own thing like if you're a sideline reporter have a podcast if you're um you know on the radio then also do some like videos or youtube blogs like everyone's doing multiple things and um the people who aren't i think are falling behind and that's why I think the younger generation has a little bit of an advantage because we sort of are, not that I'm growing up with it, but I understand it. Um, you know, it's, it's a part of my everyday life where some of the older guys who have been on TV forever and TV, linear TV is just becoming so much more unpopular, they don't get the whole social media thing and, and the vlogging and the blogging and the you know, podcast. So um, I think everyone should try to get in that game. Yeah, for I mean, sure. It's definitely it. it's definitely like an opportunity to uh, to like Warren said, let your let your wings spread a little bit and show some personality. And exactly. uh, on your last episode of your podcast, you had uh, one of your boys on Christian Kirk, who uh, uh-huh. played you know here in Texas at Texas A and M down in College Station. And I'm actually originally from uh, Arizona. I'm from the Phoenix area. And so Ooh. when he uh, signed with A uh, and M, I kind of always keep an eye on high school stars that are four and five stars, just because Arizona is not known for football. There's like three or four big schools. And the one that Christian Kirk came out of Saguaro was one of them, and his highlight reel was just unreal. So I've kind of always kept up with him, uh, you know, throughout. Obviously, just because he was such a polarizing player when he got the ball in his hands at A and M. So kind of tell us how you guys became friends, because if uh, anybody listens to your last episode, it's obvious you guys are really good friends. And um, mm-hmm. what, what, what? Maybe if you have any insight on like what his draft preparation's been like and anything like that. Christian is truly one of the best humans I know he's such a good guy through and through like he he couldn't do anything wrong if he tried I don't think like he's he's just such a nice guy my best friend my best girlfriend went to A&M and she was good friends with him at school so he's been out here training and we all get dinner and this and that and um we became really close and and Christian is is unbelievable I think he's going to be an even bigger star in the NFL than he was in college um, he's been training like crazy. He comes out here and he trains in Arizona. 
and um, I got invited to the draft party. Oh, nice. That'd be dope. Yeah, in Arizona. I don't think I'm going to go, but um, so when he was when he was at the combine, he they they had all the prospects see a psychic. I don't know why. Maybe <laughs> just to be do like a funny video with it or something. But when Christian saw the psychic, she said she sees him playing in Philly, oh. and. I mean, obviously, that's a bit of a stretch to be that specific and pick up on that, but this, I heard the Eagles are actually looking at him with their pick in the first round, and I would obviously be thrilled if he went and played for um, the Eagles. Yeah, all the Cowboys listening, all the Cowboys fans listening right all now probably Aggies hate that. All the are Cowboy fans, too. That'd yeah. kill them because the Aggie Colt. All the Aggie Colt uh, <laughs> just loves the Aggies. I knew some uh, Aggies. I did not go there. That were like, I will trade A and M success if Johnny Manziel is successful in the NFL. Like I heard some of them say that. Now I thought I don't know if they're the, the true Aggies, right? But I'm like, that's a little bold to go out there and say they they love they love their former Aggies. I yeah. know it's so nice. I'm friends with I'm really good friends with Johnny too. Oh, okay. um, Johnny, I saw recently, and like he's in a really good place, and I love that he's back on the football field again. And me and Christian both think that i mean a team any team that's not taking a chance on johnny right now i understand there's risk but like in terms of ability they're signing some backup guys that just stink these teams are signing guys that i don't even remember the last time they you're like oh they're still in the league and they're not signing johnny who you know is clearly still young and talented and i understand why and the media circus that comes with him but he's a very very good guy and he's not the guy that uh, people think he is. Yes, he, you know, got into some trouble and whatever, but he is a, a really good human. He's a really good guy. Yeah, we got uh, uh, Warren. He's a big Browns fan, so he got <laughs> yeah. a full taste of uh, Johnny I and got everything. The Johnny Came, Mania. Yeah, he he got he got Billy Vegas or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, I I agreed. Uh, I I hope Johnny gets signed as well. I, you know, he's obviously turned around what uh, what was you know a success story and obviously took a dive. And I've been following along with him going through the spring league down in Austin and everything he's been doing. I've, you know, seen a lot of his uh, his interviews with like Scott Van Pelt and stuff, and I'm really rooting for the guy. I think he's still electric on a football field and the things he can do with the ball in his hands on the football field. Like you said, how he's not getting a shot yet uh, is kind of crazy. You know, if he has to go to the CFL and prove there, like, hey, look, I can still do it against big time guys and then come down here, you know, I just want to see, I just want to see Johnny back on the field as well because, uh, like I said, he he's definitely electric uh, when he has the ball in his hands. I know. I really, really want someone to take a chance on him. And um, and I know that like a lot of Texas fans are probably hoping that Christian goes to the Cowboys, yeah? Oh, yeah. I would think so, yeah. I mean, uh, we've been talking since day one. One of my favorite or one of my uh, big takes was he would be great in the Cowboys offense. Uh, originally, it was alongside Dez and Terrence Williams, but now obviously Dez got released. So the Cowboys do have a need for wide receiver. You know, if you put Dak... Zeke and uh, Christian Kirk all on the same side of the ball. Man, electric things can happen. And he, I mean, I think he'd be a perfect fit in that offense. Uh, like you said, you being a Philly fan and me being a Redskins fan, I don't think I would love that. But uh, shoot, man, he would not only be great on the field, but off the field, like, you know, obviously with him being a, an Aggie, would just, I think, be huge for his career. Yeah, I know. I know he would love that too if, um, if that worked out. I, and, no, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Here, right? What's that? 
you guys have the draft in, in like two the weeks. The draft we is do, in yeah. two weeks, at, yes. Down yes. at the so, Jerry World. Philly, yes, we had it last year. And, and honestly, um, having go, you, are you guys going to go? Because it's so cool. Going to, going to a draft, I didn't think it would be as cool as it was. I went to the NHL draft when it was in Florida. The NHL draft's here, too. One of the, yeah, that was probably one of the best days of work. And I didn't even know any. you know, the, NF, the NHL draft is just like an underrated draft. You don't even know anybody in it. Um, except maybe the first pick, but the, the NFL draft is such a cool experience. You guys have to go. Well, I put in for tickets. My cousin's actually coming down from New York. Uh, to, we're trying to go. I haven't heard anything back from the NFL. You had to like put in in a lottery to get the tickets, oh, really? and they said they were yeah. They said they were like uh, two hundred, one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand people that put in for the lottery. I don't know when they're getting back. Time's a ticking. Yeah, really. but uh, I uh, mean, it what? should be soon. I'm open to go because it'll be fun. Uh, I mean, it's a, like Brian said, I'm from Cleveland, so I'm a Browns fan. It's a Browns Super Bowl, so it's like our big time. But uh, it should be, <laughs> it should be fun. A Browns fan chirped me on Twitter because I was saying that I'm so unbelievably sick of seeing mock drafts. I mean, mock drafts have been going on from literally January and still continuing on. And it's like, God, it doesn't even work out this way. You can really, like, no one can even predict the number one first pick this year because that's how many good, talented guys are in this draft. And and the mock drafts are just annoying. And a Browns fan got so mad at me. And I was like, of course a Browns fan <laughs> is chirping me. This is your Super Bowl. You, you want to see these mock drafts for months and months and months because this is the best time of year for y'all. We were talking draft in, like, October. That doesn't, does, it's... <laughs> It's a it's pretty much a requirement to block off the Saturdays and Sundays during football season to scout who is the players coming in next year so you're ready to go when the season's over. You don't even really need to watch Sunday. It's who you got on Saturday, when's the top quarterback playing, when's this person playing. All right, watch them, and then we'll see you next Saturday. Check the score during the game, and there you go. Yeah, that's a way for Browns fans to stay happy is just watch football on Saturdays and don't watch on Sundays. Yeah, definitely. Well, hey, Sophie, we appreciate you coming on. Check out her podcast again. It's called Shooting It With Soph on iTunes. Give it five stars. Uh, you know, Write a nice little uh, uh, review about it. We appreciate you coming on. This was fun. We should do it again if you ever come back in uh, Dallas. Maybe we can have you in studio. Oh, that would be awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me on and promoting the podcast. I really appreciate it. For no sure. Problem. Thank Thanks. you. Bye, guys. Next, we got uh, plenty of Dez talk coming up on the shore thing and uh, what we think he might do, where he might land, and all that fun stuff coming up next here on the shore thing. All right, back here on the short thing, Warren and Ryan. Thanks to Sophie for coming on the show. Uh, good interview. Be able, you'll be if you missed any of it, you'll be able to uh, check it out on SoundCloud and iTunes at the short thing, and check out her podcast, shooting it with Soph, uh, also on iTunes, and you could check it out on SoundCloud. All right, as we mentioned, the big news this week: Des Bryant uh, had the meeting with Jerry. Only a twenty-minute meeting. So 19 minutes and 45 seconds longer than Rick Pitino, but it got the point across pretty quick. 
And uh, Dez is cut and no longer a cowboy. Uh, don't really think this was Jerry's decision, but uh, at least listening to Dez, it didn't sound like it was Jerry's decision. So uh, he's cut. They saved the thing. They saved the money in the cap room. My only question is, why now? Why did they cut him on April thirteenth? Why did they not cut him March first or March fifteenth, whenever the league year opened? To me, that makes absolutely zero sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were talking about this months ago. You know, what were they going to do with him? He had the big sixteen and a half million cap number. Um, you know, and it was kind of crippling them right now when they had so many glaring needs. This was the strangest time for them to do this. I mean, why not cut him at the very beginning of a free agency? Uh, you know, right when the league, the new league year starts, so that you have that cap room cleared and you can start making moves. Obviously, it didn't stop them from signing another wide receiver and bringing in uh, Alan Hearns. So you know it, but still, you you have to again scratch your head because a lot of guys are already uh, scooped up. The good majority. I mean, there's there's hardly any big names out there that would be a contributing factor at this point. Uh, left in free agency for the NFL. It's going to be interesting to see if they do anything with this money. I mean, you got to assume they they will. You know, you don't cut a guy and just leave that as dead cap space. So, you know, I don't know what moves are left out there or if they're going to rework some contracts or what, sign guys to extensions. I, I, I mean, even that wouldn't have an effect on this year's cap. So, uh, you know, I don't see what moves are still out there for them to make that will be uh, big-time moves for them to, to kind of transition out of the Dez era. Well, the only thing is the draft. So now you're right. pretty much forcing yourself into taking a wide receiver at 19. It was either linebacker or wide receiver because Jalen Smith is, eh, he's not really – he's – they can't play in 500 snaps again. Uh, and now it's a, you've pretty much talked yourself into getting a wide receiver. And you're, are you going to take Cortland Sutton, Calvin Ridley? Those are the two names. I'm not just saying this because Sophie was just on. I do not understand why Christian Kirk is not getting more run in the first round. Oh, no, I the totally guy, agree. Like The guy, every time you turn on A&M, he's 6'5", runs fast, and just makes plays. He's a big receiver. And I I do not understand how he is not getting more run for the middle of the first round or like late first round. They have him in the 30s, uh, late, late first, early second. I'm talking meat of the first round. Now, obviously, this would be smoke screen. I, I mock drafts. I'm very hesitant on what happens in mock drafts. But um, I don't understand how he's not being more talked about as like a receiver because he just all he did was make plays in the SEC. And look, Cortland Sutton's a great guy, great prospect, really good at SMU, and Calvin Ridley, really good at Alabama. But I mean, I don't understand how he's not in the top conversation with them. And I like, and there's other guys like Anthony Miller, DJ Moore. Those guys are really good too, and they're getting a lot of run. I just don't understand how he's not getting talked about more. Yeah, I agree. I I would coming into the uh, to the draft or you know I guess draft season. We, I mean, we were talking about Cortland Sutton, you and I, obviously not on the show, but just you and I were talking about it back in October, November, how good he was and how shocking it was that he was at SMU and still considered a top wide receiver prospect. But aside from him, I thought going into the draft, it was going to be Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk at the top of the conversation as far as wide receiver goes. But like you said, you put the ball in the hands in his hands and the kid was making plays, whether it was you know, in the kicking game, in the punting game, or obviously on offense. He really reminds me of like an Odell type. Not saying he's going to be as good as Odell, but shoot, maybe he will. But you put the ball in his hands, get him on a quick slant, get him on a deep route. Why is he just not like a Mike Evans? I mean, I guess he could I be. mean, he's like the same size as Mike Evans. I think, I think he's a little shorter. I think you overshot him with a 6'5". I think he, I think he's. Oh, is he? Yeah, I think he's close to around six foot, six one. Oh, right. okay. Day. 
Yeah. I thought he was. He just plays bigger. He, no, he. I, guess, I mean, so. he's definitely got some. He's got some girth to him. He's, you know, yeah. he's a. He's, he's a, a big, big dude, dude. And he's fast. Yeah, and he's really fast. That's and he's why been I, doing it for three years. He did it as a freshman too. Right. Yeah. He did it as a true freshman. Um, he actually said on on uh, Sophie's podcast that he was never a first team All American, which was shocking to me. I mean, that's kind of surprising, that, but all right, that's big time surprising. So again, uh, switch, shifting back into Cowboys, uh, you know, releasing Dez. This obviously has a glaring uh, need for them. Again. I don't really know what the thought process was here, but now the next step is where does Des go? Well, hold on. We got some Des audio first. Oh, perfect. To play. Uh, he did a sit-down interview uh, with Jane Slater of the NFL Network, and one of the big moves, or one of the big sound bites, you've probably heard about it, is some people in the locker room he feels like were, uh, main, were the main reason he was out of there and not Jerry. Floated out there, Des, that some teammates had something to do with this decision. Do you have any evidence to support that at this point? Well, I'll say this right here. Uh, I believe that. Garrett guys, I would say that. So you're saying Garrett guys yeah. worked against you? I believe that. I truly believe it. And Do you I, want to name who Garrett guys are? Uh, I, won't, I won't put no names out, but they know. And I want them to know on this air that, I, you know, I know. I'll shoot them a text message and let them know. And little do they know is... You know, they can wear that seat all they want want to. But in that locker room, they know who they run and they talk to. They know who they communicate with. Everybody know what a real love is at. And I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but that's the difference between me and them. What's the word? Anonymous? Is that the word? Anonymous. I'm, no, you know I'm, that they're so... I'm not. That's not me. I'm not going to do that. Okay. And you're never going to win ball games like that. I'm sorry. You know, and, and you know, it's the National Football League. I understand it's the business, but at the end of the day, we're supposed to play football. And like I said, I'm not trying to bash anybody, but at the same time, you know, um, my reputation, you know, I'm, you know, my name, Des Bryant, has been on the line for a long time. You know, me trying to prove to this world that I'm nothing what somebody is saying, you know, and, you know, that is over with. You know, that's done. You know, I'm... I started to be who I am, you know, I, I, I care for people. I like to see people happy. I like to see people succeed. You know, sometimes, you know, when people don't have that type of ability, you know, and don't understand it, they tend to, to, to hate that person. Do you think you're misunderstood then? Of course, I know for a fact I'm misunderstood. All I care about is football and the people that I actually talk to and sleep. <laughs> That's it, you know, I don't, my priorities are, or in line, you know, like, like I sit here and say, and I want to say, you know, wherever I go, they're going to get a real guy that love football and just want to win. Where do you? All right. So we can listen to hear what he wants to say, where he wants to go in a couple of minutes, but that, uh, it's pretty amazing. He definitely walked around himself about six times during that, yeah. saying, oh, I don't want to name people when you just named Garrett guys. And you said guys with C's on their chest. Well, I could go look at the roster and go find who the guys with the C's on their chest are. And I think it's pretty obvious who he's talking about. I think I'm not going to name. I don't know. But he uh, – Go ahead watched- and name them. What, are they going to come after you? Yeah. What, are they going to come after you? Because you were late in meetings, got special treatment all the time. Like not getting punished for showing up late and all that other stuff. Um, how how do you think they're gonna feel? And when they see your production sliding, 
when you were catching all those touchdowns, they were probably like, all right, we could deal with this. Um, and that's fine. But now when you're struggling, you got your antics on the sideline, not getting the ball. Dak's forcing you the ball a lot. And that, it's, uh, like you said, I think he's misunderstood, like, personally, just not on, on the football field. But him calling out the Garrett guys. I mean, I think, that, I mean, that's a bold move, buddy. That's a bold move. Yeah, but at this point, it's like you got nothing to lose. Well, well I know he's got go, nothing to lose. Go but out guns, you know, guns blazing and just. Just name the guys then. Why don't right. you just name them off? Don't say, oh, I, don't, I want to be anonymous. I'll tip you in my text. If you, you just pretty much named them. Just right. just start listing off the list. Let's get the drama really cooking uh, instead of whatever you want. But, yeah, I just think that the Des and I don't think, I think if Roma was still the quarterback, it would be different. Oh, I think 100%. Roma would have gone down there and pounded the table saying, hey, we need to keep te- we need to keep Des on the team. He's a great asset. Dak, Dak did not go into Jerry's office and say, Jerry, we need Des on this team. I need him on this football team. I need to throw the ball to him. Dak was not doing that. Dak probably just like, if he's on the team, great. If he's not on the team, fine by me. I'll throw the ball to someone else. Well, I think part of that might be, you might disagree with this, was until Dez left or was cut loose, it was going to be Dez's team. And now that he's gone, it's kind of, now it's see what Dak what and Zeke can like do. What do you mean like Dez's team, like the face of the team? Right, yeah. It was, Dez was the face of the team last year. Right, with, that's what I'm saying. So He as long was the as, face of the team when Romo was hurt. Uh. I mean, but like that, but was, that the, was still Romo's. Like Romo was still the guy. Well, you know yeah, what I mean? But when he was hurt, it was still like, all right, Des. Des has been the one of the faces of the team for how long? Right. No, and that's what I'm saying. So that's why Dak might not go and say, "Hey, we need Des on the team," because a they know that with Dak at quarterback, Des isn't going to be as lethal of a weapon as he was with Tony Romo. So why would Dak want to go in and? pound his chest or beat the desk and say, hey, we need this guy, I want this guy. Because now that Dez is gone, now Dak is that guy, well, I think. Okay, I don't, know if it's, I don't know if Dak really cares that much about being the face of the mm. team. Like Everyone has the ego. Yeah. I think it's mainly Dak was like, I didn't like throwing the football to him because I didn't know if he was going to be 10 yards or 15 yards on a route. He was supposed to be 10 on an in route of 10 yards. Is he going to make go it longer? I can't trust a guy, and I don't want to keep force-feeding him the ball because when I don't throw the ball to him, I'm going to be chirped at on the sidelines, right. and everybody on national TV is going to see it. At least Romo would be like, all right, all right. I got you. We've been playing how long together? D- don't worry. I got you in the red zone. Don't worry about it. Dak's probably thinking, I'll throw it to Beasley. I'll throw it to Witten. I'll throw it to Terrence Williams. Pray to pray as the ball's in the air. He'll catch it. Or someone else. I just won't throw it to you, Des, as much as I need to be locked in on you, as much as you want the ball. And Dak really did try and focus last season a lot when Des was healthy of throwing the ball to Des. The problem was either to drop it or he wouldn't really make that many great catches. Uh, I saw a stat since 2014 to through through 2017, Dez catch rate was 50%. Yeah, not good. Not good at all. Hate to see that. Yeah. All right. So now, Dez, where does Dez want to go? You want to go, Dez? <laughs> Man, I won't like I won't say any teams, but being in a division, man, um, that's a huge possibility. It's a, it's a huge possibility. That's it's something that I want. Why? You know, just because. It's personal. It's, like I said, it's very personal. Like, I already had it planned on training, getting my mind right, but I just want to do it that, you know, that much more. You know, it's, it's like I'm just I'm tired of being a scapegoat. I'm, I'm tired of all of it. I'm a real guy. Like, 
I'm a real guy, and I just want to prove that, and I'm going to continue to keep proving that, you know, on and off of the field. All right, a couple things. Uh, if you watch the video, you can really tell him he's got a sense of relief when he says, I don't want to be the scapegoat anymore. Because the guy was getting blamed a ton during his time here. And part it, partly for him and what he was doing off the field, and he really, credit to him, did clean up his life. Like, there was his rookie year when he when they got him the personal security guard. Like, it was borderline, is he going to be able to make it in the league? And he goes on the interview and said, without Jerry and that, he probably doesn't make it in the league what he did. All right, so he's tired of being the scapegoat. Probably wherever you're, you're going to go, depending what happens, you're probably going to be the scapegoat if things go wrong and you keep up your same antics on the on the bench. If you're not getting the ball, you're not showing up to team meetings on time and showing up to all that stuff. Definitely, he said, the, and first of all, I don't want to name teams, the NFC East. Well, you just named three of them, not <laughs> saying by name. Okay, so another. He wants to stay anonymous. So, yeah, another one of, oh, I don't want to name this, but I just named it. All right, f- fine. The only reason you're saying, like you said, it's personal. Yeah. Uh, it's always going to be personal, but guess what? Uh, that was the heat of the moment. You got cut. The, they taped that at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon or 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday. You were cut three hours ago. Now, today he probably still says, I want to get the NFC East, but when the NFC East teams call and say, oh, we'll give you $4 million for a one-year deal, he ain't going to take that. And I don't know how many teams can offer him $8, 9000000 million a year right now that he's going to want to play for a winner. He's not going to go to some bottom dweller. Um but what what no teams can offer that. Now the Redskins, I know you want to talk about this. Uh they signed J they signed Paul Richardson, they have Jamison Crowder, they have Josh Dotson. Uh they do have the cap space to sign him for a one year deal. The Giants, him and Odell Beckham, I think that's just a recipe for disaster in the locker room. And is Brandon Marshall, is he still under contract with them? Or is no, he, he's, he was just he's a one year deal? Okay. Yeah, that's he's what done. I thought. That's what I thought. Uh, that's a recipe for a disaster just so the egos fitting in the room. Yeah. And bless Eli if he has to deal with that. Now, the Eagles are fascinating, but the problem is they don't have any cap space. You have to sign like one of those small, like I just said, $4 million, whatever type of deals. So, NFC East, I don't know how it's really looking strong for him to sign with an NFC East team. And look, I know you're, you would not be really in favor of the Redskins signing him. I don't see why not. Why not take a chance on him for a year? Uh, Dotson's been injury-prone. I know Des has too, but just give it a shot. No, no, no. Well, I just said he's caught 50% of the balls thrown at him so that he should have been. Maybe Alex Smith gets is the guy he needs. Alex, okay, <laughs> as much as I'm happy for Alex Smith to be a part of the Redskins organization now that I've had some time to chew on it and think about it, that's the last thing we need is another big ego guy for Alex Smith to have to deal <laughs> with. That's the last thing we need. He had to go through it. Uh, let's see, who would he, who was the big ego guy he had uh, in, uh, was it Crabtree? That he had in San Francisco. It had to have been Crabtree. Yeah, probably. That, uh, and and uh, But, I mean, he's back with Vernon Davis. Like, we've got we've got Jordan Reed. We've got plenty of options, like I said. we Or, like you said, we signed Paul Richardson, who's going to be a uh, great number two. Jameson Crowder is quite possibly the best slot guy in the league. We just don't have the room for him, I think, for A, his ego, and B, for him on uh, – uh, in the offense. I mean, sure, Doxon's been injury-prone, but we have plenty of guys behind him uh, that are actually pretty good young up-and-comers where that would be this... Okay, signing Des would be the quintessential Dan Snyder move. 
That's exactly yeah. what what would like I would expect 2005 Dan Snyder to have already signed him to a 17 million dollar deal for you, one year. Uh, do you not get excited though? Of the two games a year he'll get to play against the Cowboys, and the one game he'll get to play at AT and T Stadium where he probably catches two touchdowns, throws up the X. All the Redskin fans are there in their Bryant Redskin jerseys, and it's just fight after fight after fight in the uh, stands as they're just talking trash as Des is lighting up the Cowboys secondary. Doesn't that just get the juices flowing and the rivalries back? on it, it made it move a little bit yeah <laughs> it's uh i mean when you put it like that because i mean we i go to every redskin cowboy game here so yeah that would be kind of sweet but then the other 14 games out oh, of the yeah, year that, you're only <laughs> doing it for a two it. game out you're only doing it for a two game uh i'm down to sign him for a two week four, four million dollar <laughs> deal you know just whenever we play the cowboys but uh, other than that no i mean i just i don't uh i don't want the redskins to have any part of des i, I mean the couple other teams what are you gonna say i, just, well, I was just gonna say like people are throwing out the rams well, see, I've seen the Packers try the to replace. Packers, they don't, do they have any? They cut Jordy Nelson to create cap space to sign Jimmy Graham. Yeah, they they literally did the same thing to Jimmy, or excuse me, to Jordy Nelson to what the Cowboys did to Dez. They've said the the Patriots, or excuse me, uh, well, the Patriots have kind of been thrown around there too. I don't, I don't see, that. I don't see that because he's not going to go the Patriot way, right? For sure, because they 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 always use the excuse or not the excuse, but the example of Randy Moss and Chad Ochocinco, who Chad Ochocinco really did not play for the Patriots that very long. No. Um, and uh, but I've seen the Ravens and also the Saints, which the Saints actually kind of makes sense to me. That's something that might work with Drew Brees being the veteran that he is. Sean Payton, the you know the no BS attitude that he's got, but he also kind of lets guys be who they are in the uh, locker room as well. So the Saints could kind of be interesting and in play here. For, I think uh, for Des, I uh, no, this is totally the Ravens fit perfectly with this. They always get the old receivers. Flat, the only thing with Dez is I don't know if he can still run like a 50-yard go route fast because that's all Flacco throws. Right. It's just a 50-yard bomb. And then overthrows it by 10 yards. Yes, overthrows it by 10 <laughs> yards. So you might need to get the conditioning up if he goes to the Ravens to get that. But I think the Ravens, that just seems like a fit. They have like they had uh, Mike Wallace last year. These guys just tend to head over to the Ravens. And other than that, I can't even name a receiver, Ravens receiver uh, off the top of my head right now after well, what – Rashad Perriman? Is he still there? Okay, yeah, Perriman. Okay, yeah, that's him. And That went deep. How good is he? <laughs> yeah. Not that exactly. good. So it will be definitely interesting to follow the Dez storyline. Like we said, the draft is two weeks. We'll get deep, deep into the draft uh, next week with some guys uh, to keep your eye out for uh, as the draft comes through Dallas. But, I mean, uh, it's looking like they're going to have to draft the receiver in the first round. I mean, they pretty much already played their cards, I think, with this. They have to do it, or they'll – play with fire and try and get some guy in the second round and take a linebacker. The wild card in this is, is what is Jerry going to do with the draft in Dallas? He's going to want to make a big splash and you cannot trade the second round pick because you need a good player in the second round. You can't trade up from 19 to 10 or whatever with giving up the second round pick just because the draft is in Dallas and you want to make a splash. You think they can trade back? From 19 and drop to like maybe 24, 25, maybe get another second sure, round pick. Sure, they could probably do that, but I think people would be totally against that if Ridley or Sutton, whatever, is on the board because they just want uh, – that's not the big splash Jerry's, Jerry's wanting to make. Yeah, no. I, def- I could totally see him trading into the top 10, picking a receiver, Dez's replacement, and everyone – 
half the crowd going bananas and half the crowd just being, what has he done to the football team? And there's no pick in the second round, and they don't have a good young linebacker, and it's just going to be a disaster. I would love for them to draft Calvin Ridley and then give him 88. Okay, yeah, that be that would be pretty funny if they did that. Okay, I can get I can get behind that. <laughs> whoever they draft, Sutton, uh, whoever it is, get eighty eight, get it right there. That would be really funny. All right, the last five minutes of the show, we'll flip over to the NBA playoffs. Uh, unless you wanted to touch on anything else, other on the desktop of Ryan. No, no, yeah, we, yeah, let's no, let's do it. Shift gears. Uh, I think we already. Uh, we already touched on enough, Des. Like we said, we'll talk more Cowboys next week. All right, NBA playoffs. All there's only one game left to be played, and that is tonight. It is the Houston, it's the Rockets, and the Timberwolves. The big shocker was the Cavs lost today to the Pacers. They lost by 18. They played their absolutely worst offensive game of the season. I'm not really making that up. That is a fact. If you go on uh, per 100 possessions, it was, they were 84th. That was their offensive rating. Their worst game this season was 87 against Miami. So literally, they cannot play any worse offensively. If you would have told me at the beginning of the season the Cavs would have held, or the beginning of the playoffs, they held the team under 100 points, which is something they rarely did all season, and they would lose, I would have been floored. They shot 23% from three, 8 of 34, uh, 38% from the field. That's pretty much what this game chalks down to. They got off to a slow start. They just shot the ball bad. Really not worried. It is a seven-game series. Um, but I think the series again was it's going to be tougher than people thought. LeBron first time in 21 first round games he lost, uh, so that's pretty impressive. Lost to a Knicks team back in 2011, but that's that with the Cavs. The other game, Boston beat Milwaukee, in which Chris Middleton I cannot believe he I made a shot with that shot with .5 seconds left on the clock. So Boston won. Uh, so great job for Brad Stevens. You won another first round playoff game. I saw people saying if he wins a series with this team, it's his greatest coaching achievement ever. What is his greatest coaching achievement with the Celtics making it to the conference finals last year? He was the one seed, so he should have done it. And getting your wheels blown off. I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out what right. is what he has to, what his greatest coaching accomplishment would be. Yes, yeah, it's a benchmark. I'm not trying to make fun of the guy. I'm just trying to figure out what the benchmark would be. All the oh, the other good game last night was Portland against uh, the Pelicans. The Pelicans beat the beat Portland. And uh, I want to touch on this, uh, finish out the show here with the Kawhi Leonard saga in San Antonio. He, It's been reported that he's not playing the rest of the playoffs. He's rehabbing to get fully healthy. I think he's played his last game in the, with the Spurs. I think he's gone next year. Um, and Popovich was asked today, earlier before this Kawhi news out, where he said he's or his camp sources told a reporter that he's done for the season, that you have to ask Kawhi's people if he's playing the rest of the season. The Spurs are totally fed up with this. They draw the Warriors. The Warriors are vulnerable. Now, they didn't look at yesterday, but they're vulnerable without Steph. And it could, if Kawhi comes back, they'd have a legitimate chance to beat the Warriors. They were up how many points last year uh, with them? And Kawhi, how is he not? This is the most underreported, under-talked about story in the NBA. If this was any other player in the NBA, he would be getting absolutely reamed day in and day out. And Kawhi's sitting over there taking a free pass and I get it. He doesn't think he's healthy. The team cleared him. Go out and you are you so nervous about the Isaiah Thomas thing that uh, with the hip injury that you're not going to get get paid and it's going to really. I understand what he's doing, but if the team doctors cleared you and one other of your second opinion guys cleared you, the other guy's saying no, 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 hold out. Seems a little fishy to me. 
Yeah, big time. This has been one of the most shocking kind of storylines and sagas going on in the NBA this year. I mean, Kawhi, from all accounts, had been the typical, you know, Popovich guy. Yeah, the the prototypical, you know, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Manu Ginobili, all those types. And then just for this to come out of left field is has been shocking. Uh, I mean, did he? How many games did he play this year? Nine. Nine games. So nine games in, he decides. This injury is going to shut me down. For I mean, obviously, he didn't make the decision right after the injury, but the fact that he got cleared two or three months ago. Yes, and, and still, he's not even on the bench. He doesn't right. even travel. He's not even with the guys. Well, and they said his rehab has been playing like three-on-three basketball or one-on-one basketball with no-name guys or like these old washed-up guys, and that's what he's been doing to quote-unquote rehab. So I don't know he what still it can is. play. One-on-one yeah. on one isn't that much different than five-on-five. Exactly. I mean, you're probably moving even more one on one. So I mean, it's 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 shocking. I'm interested to see how this how this plays out. Because, um, like I said, nothing would have tipped his cards to uh, Kawhi making a move like this. So who knows? I don't know. It's fascinating. It's disappointing that the Spurs aren't going up against the Warriors at full strength, especially this team. Because look at what they were close to doing last year. They were up so big in Game One until Zaza went just under the legs and just cooked. Kawhi there. Did you see the tweet that had uh, it was a headline saying Kawhi was going to come back for game one? No, I didn't see it. It was a a tweet out from Bleacher Report and I was bamboozled for about 10 seconds but it was from last year. (laughs) Okay, that's funny. That's funny. All right. well that's going to do it for us here on The Short Thing for this week. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Short Thing and you can always listen to the old episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, Go search The Short Thing. So uh, Ryan, have a good week and we will reconvene next week. Yeah, thanks.